Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented exclusively on the Chop Sports channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We are recording this on a Wednesday, August 9th. 9th, 9th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, we are in the penultimate moments of the Premier League season. I'm going to talk about the Charity Shield, Community Shield, and where we are with some big transfers that have been moving around just as they relate to the Premier League. But first, please like, share, and subscribe to the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to the show. No one has been doing it, so I'm worried that no one's hearing this. I'm sure I've asked people to do it. If you like, share, and subscribe to the show, I will give you a shout out, especially if you tweet it, especially if you put it on Instagram, especially if you write a comment. I will talk about you on the show. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, so we just had the Community Shield, the traditional start of the Premier League season. I talked about it on Chris on Chris and I's show uh, on Top Football uh, News. Uh, it's on YouTube. I'll leave a link in the show. Um you know, Community Shield matters if you win, doesn't matter if you lose. Uh, City were okay in the game. I don't think they were bad. I don't think they were particularly good. Uh, first half, a lot of control, a lot of side to side. Second half, a bit more direct, especially after Foden came on, especially after Cole Palmer came on. Um, but, you know, we had better chances probably Arsenal will feel like they had better chances but had less control so Havertz had a really good chance that he missed early uh I talked about it earlier um but goes to penalties on a goal by Trossard off the hip of Ikanji it was going to go four feet wide and then in penalties City missed their penalties Arsenal didn't Arsenal are community shield winners that's nice for them uh they can feel good about it it doesn't bother me. City are treble winners. City are treble winners. That means they are currently the holders of the Premier League trophy, the FA Cup, and the league. Only one team can say that they came into a season as defending title holders, and that is 2000, uh, 99 2000 Manchester United. Okay? So let us just be clear about that. So City have lost actually the last three. Uh, community shields in a row uh so you can imagine pep is not that worried about it it's not that big a deal <laughs> um it's really just something that has happened so uh city lost i think um the last two i'm just checking the previous year oh the, you don't have the previous year huh uh, i'm looking at fb ref they don't have they don't have last year's community shield that's fine it doesn't bother me uh, maybe I'm talking about it too much. Maybe it does bother me. Uh, it would have been nice to win, but uh, City did not win it. Um, I think the interesting things that have come out of this game are what it means for Arsenal more than anything. You know, they are an emotional team. They do ride or die with Arteta's feeling and emotion, how he reacts on the sideline. Uh, he's very much a pep acolyte without the success, frankly. I mean, listen, he's had success. They had a good season last year, but... You know, Pep had the six titles within two years at Barcelona. So all his antics never really got too far because he could say, oh, I'm badass and whatever. But Arteta's have actually drawn ire of people because, hey, is it too much emotion for this team? Uh, will it show up in different moments? 
Um, you know, these are questions that are really just nitpicking around whether Arsenal is really ready for where they are or are they outside of really being ready to challenge. So as we know in my preview, I did select Arsenal as a potential champion. That's really not a selection that I that I have strong belief in, but more that I don't, it's going to be really hard for City to win four in a row after winning the Champions League and doing all the stuff they did. And Arsenal are the best team, are the best team in place to be the next team. So I'm not really a great belief in Arsenal, but I do believe that City will fall back some. So it's kind of a tricky thing. If someone is going to win that's not Manchester City in the league, it will be Arsenal, in my opinion. Okay. Um, they did finally get the Rhea, um item over the line, and that means a lot to me personally. Like I think that Ramsdale is a weakness, and Raya will make a difference for Arsenal, and I think we'll see him take over that goalkeeping job somewhere in the middle of the season within the first few months. So we'll see how that plays out because I don't think that um, Ramsdale is particularly good. He's not bad. He's just not great. He's not a champion-level keeper, a little too emotional for my liking. Um, so that's Arsenal. That's the community shield. Uh, not much to worry about. City are kind of in a weird space right now. There's a little, hey, do we have enough? I'm like, of course we have enough. Like, there's guys on this team that haven't played, <laughs> uh, you know, that aren't able to contribute at a high level. I think that Cole Palmer and Rico Lewis and Foden and a lot of the other young guys will have a chance to show more. Uh, there'll be less variety. I think City will have to rely on certain players more than they have in the past. Um, but it looks to me like they're settled. They're not going to lose Walker. They're not going to lose Bernardo Silva. They'll both sign deals and just continue on with what they're going. I know that City, from a narrative perspective, are kind of boring. They're this monolith robot destruction machine that just comes through and become the foil for the latest upstart plucky team. It was Liverpool and City with a dominant black mustachioed evil. Now it's Arsenal's turn and City are there as the foil for evil. And that's fine. That's our role. That's our narrative. I don't care. City fans inside, we get to have fandom too. It's our right to be fans and love our team too. You can have your stories, but this is my team and I love them. Okay. Um, on to some other things. Uh, the first game of the week is going to be on Friday. It's Burnley versus Manchester City. Friday night under the lights, Vincent Company. I'm super duper excited for it. It's a fantastic event. Um, the, se the season getting off to a start is just one of those things that just feels great. It's kind of like, well, I was a huge baseball fan most of my life. And so it has a spring opening day is one of the great moments when you're a kid and you love baseball. And now this has replaced that for me. So it's a wonderful feeling to have the team come back to life and be available. And we'll go through more of the games uh, to highlight some interesting games and just see, see where things are, where the matchups are for the week. There is a particularly giant game uh, that we should talk about. Uh, but before we get to that, just some some transfer news that I think is interesting because some teams, some just general news that's going on within the league. General news. Here we go. Julian Lopetegui is leaving Wolves. Uh, Gary O'Neill is taking over. So that sort of solves one thing. I think I said something about Wolves. I can't remember when that Lopetegui might leave. And he did. He's a very particular guy. And the Wolves project seems to be teetering 
after the Mendez group had a hold of the team and they had this pipeline to Portugal and they had all these things going for it. And they were sort of under Nuno. They had those two Europa finishes, the, th- the back three with Connor Cody and things were working well. And they had all that Brazilian flair, but it seems with, it seems with Nunes leaving and, and Jimenez leaving and Moutinho leaving that there's not much in the tank to move this team forward. Um, there were some buys that were very strange. Uh, you know, Fabinho, Fab, a young Brazilian, I can't remember his name, uh, who came over and they had the loan out. It was like a crazy amount of money for a 19-year-old that never worked. And it seems like the project is teetering. Now Lopetegui's out. They have hired Gary O'Neill to take over. So that is strange. I'm not sure what's going on with Wolves, but that does change the relegation battle. Like we know Luton, we know Sheffield United are have already sold their best players. They're, they're two best, they're three of three of their top five players, two of them on loan for Manchester City, McAtee and, uh, went back to City and then uh, Ndai got sold. So, Sheffield United are basically like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. We're going to consolidate, take our money, go down and try and come back up again. It, this is a normal pattern. And then Luton is just, they're they're a sixth place team who really don't have the quality to be in this division right now. So that's two nailed on going down. Uh, and then I called out Bournemouth because they had the weakest underlying numbers. I could be wrong, but that was just my assumption. And now we have Wolves really weakened and weird. Um so a little bit of a strange thing. Evertonians, you should be over the moon about this. So that's one news. Other news, um, James Ward-Prowse, the greatest middle-class named player, the the Southampton lifer, deserves to be in the Premier League. He has signed for West Ham. So there is a little bit of conflict going on at West Ham. Moyes and the director of football, whose name escapes me, are at loggerheads about how they want to get players. Moyes is very much about, I need Premier League rhetoric players that can step right in that I know versus his director of football, who's more in line with like, can we buy cheap players from Europe? The transfer window last season didn't work for them, really. Paqueta a little bit, but Skamaka never worked. And whenever Moyes gets these like fancy European players who aren't blood and thunder kick you in the face, he doesn't seem to know what to do. So he's kept, they won based on Englishness, a term that you guys all know that I use. It was Bowen. (laughs) It was Anthony. So it was that same kind of energy. And Moyes epitomizes that. And he's got the trophy and he does deserve the leeway, but he may not make it, Uh, especially with um, a guy like Graham Potter sitting on the sidelines, a much more interesting, progressive kind of coach that you might see someone like, uh, West Ham Graham and it might be the right thing to do for West Ham to grab Potter now uh, rather than wait and sort of have this sword of Dimocles the ever famous sword of Dicocles as I call the sword that swings over managers heads hanging over Moyes's head so we go into the season with some managers in trouble already Moyes is one just for political reasons uh, but but we may see Harry Maguire join James Ward-Prowse at um, West Ham. And that feels more in line with what you expect from West Ham and a Moyes team. So it uh, makes sense to have Prowse free kicks on the ball, putting it on the head. I mean, just the idea of Maguire and Prowse together, that's God, that could be 10 goals just in and of it's just, just that combination together could be between, between 
it could be 10 goals between them or maybe even 12 if they if they got 12 to 15 between them five headers and then seven free kicks from Prowse and a penalty that could be enough uh, that that could be a 15 goal swing for them, which would be huge for West Ham because we know James Ward Prowse in some sense kept Southampton in the league just by his play alone. Now he's not a great physical player, but his free kicks and his penalty taking and his service on corners is just dynamite. I mean, there's nobody better in the league. So he would be a great addition to West Ham, especially with the weapon of Maguire to be on the end of things. Anyway, uh, that's West Ham. So those are big moves there. Um, other things moving along. Uh, let me just bring up the the old transfer machine just to make sure uh, I haven't missed anything. Um, the Kane saga just goes on and on and on. Uh, Lavia is another one that's a saga between Liverpool and Southampton. Now Chelsea are involved. Uh, Lavia is a lot of money for a player who's only 20 years old, but Southampton have been held firm on the 50 million pound mark. Um Okay, fine. Um, other news that's floating around. Uh, Reese James has been named captain of Chelsea. That's nice for him, seeing as he doesn't play. Maybe he can wear the armband. Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't think that that's too big of a deal. Just, oh, this is a fun blast from the past. The great and powerful Ross Barkley, who in 2014 was a wonderkind who would have been like a an all-time great Scouts player when he was at Everton, is going to join Luton Town from Nice, which is kind of a blast from the past. He gets to go um, He gets to go back there. Uh, the James Ward Prowse, oh, he's having a medical, so that's legit. Um, just scrolling through pretty quickly. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Hmm. Strange stuff. Okay. Okay, we've got a we've got a, a Sheffield United site signing, but it's a guy none of us that will never know. <laughs> so that's pretty random. I guess those are the two big ones. What happens with Harry Kane, the Lavia deal, and then uh, just other things like that. So those are still flying out there in United in on Pavard, in on another defender. So that we're, so what what this really what it really drives at is the transfer window is open. And there's a lot of time. There's still till September 1st. There's still three weeks to go before we know exactly what the settled sides are. These are the classic. These are the weird things about the transfer window being open until while the season is going. It's very strange. Um, the Premier League has attempted at times to do it early, but uh, that's where this season is. Okay. Let us go to games and try and predict them based on what we know now. <laughs> um, because uh, the season gets weird uh, during the season uh, as we go along, but based on what we know and the rosters we have right now. So I'm going to take the Spurs game and assume that Harry Kane will actually be uh, on Spurs. So um, just going to go through the games just straight through. So Friday, we've got Burnley versus Manchester City. The last time they met, Burnley were tough in the first half. It was an FA Cup match. And um, it was good. I thought Burnley played well. Second half, City just blew them away. It was 6-0 before they could blink an eye. City just like needed a little bit of a punch in the mouth. Uh, first 15 minutes for Burnley were good. They played. Uh, but And we know company's going to try and play. Uh, but Burnley could get could get beat pretty bad. But it is in Turf Moor on a Friday night. Should be interesting. Uh, Arsenal, the early game on Saturday. 
Uh, someone's not going to be wearing red. We'll host Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest were terrible at home all season. I mean, away from home all season, even though they did get that result late against Arsenal, the draw to keep them up. Or was it a win? I can't even remember anymore. Uh, that was the huge win that saved their season. But Arsenal, if they're going to win the title, have to beat, basically take every point they can off anyone in the bottom 10, right? That's 60 points, two games, two teams, right? That 60 has to be in the pocket. So they'll have to, they'll be looking to start the season on the right foot. Then in a battle of two teams, so that's the early game. And then the 3 p.m. kickoffs, uh, traditional English football kickoff, uh, sees Everton host Fulham. These are two teams I, I don't have a good feel for. We know Dyche will be Dyche. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is weird. I think the midfield for Everton is still really strong. I still trust Tarkovsky. Uh, we know about that group being good. I think the defense will be strong, and I like the midfield. I like Decore's energy, but that person on the end to finish goals, that's all Everton need, and they'll be safe. Um, I don't think that they're particularly good, but I don't think they're a relegation team. They This season is the key season. They cannot have another relegation battle. They've got to just be safe in that 12th spot team. But I think Everton this year are clearly better than three other teams. Like they have continuity. They have a good manager. They'll be fine because they're going to be better than Wolves. They're going to be better than Luton. They're going to be better than Sheffield United. So they should be fine. And Fulham, uh, no Mitrovic. They had the head turning. Uh, Marco Silva has a history of things going weird. And they had the most overperforming team in the league last season. So how they finished is not indicative of their play at all. Willian scored a lot of worldies. Uh, they did have a huge down streak when Mitrovic went down. I think Fulham will be in a relegation battle this year after having a great season because there's a lot of turmoil around that club. Paulinho's got the bad shoulder. They need him. He's key for their team. Ream is a year older. I don't know what they're going to do in defense. I worry for Fulham. Uh, some of these championship teams that have a big season – by overperforming, tend to drop down. If you remember, Sheffield United had this problem the season before. On to Sheffield United. They have a game at home. I'd expect them to be pretty good at home, uh, but Crystal Palace is a class above, even without Zaha. We'll see Alise. We'll see Eze all season long. We'll see this group grow, and I think Uncle Roy has got this team's number. He understands them. He unleashed them. Hopefully, They'll start the season on the right foot. Uh, I could see a draw in this game because Palace away from home, a little bit of a weird uh, thing, and we'll see what happens there. Then the other game on Saturday, Luton Town, not even City, not Luton City, but Luton Town. Uh, they, ho they go to Brighton. This could get ugly early because Luton will not have seen anything uh, like Brighton before. Tactically brilliant. Young players all over the pitch, attacking, attacking, attacking. I'm going to enjoy watching this game because I think Brighton could put up five against Luton. Luton are not good, uh, but they're going to fight. They're going to hoof it long. They have a big defender. I think Lewis Dunk will have a good time playing against Luton. It's going to be a fight in the trenches. It's, like, it's almost like a clash of styles. Modern tactical football from Italy with, with flying fullbacks and all this stuff versus English Three yards in a cloud of dust. Hoof it up top to our big man. Knockoff runners. Clash of styles should be a good one with Luton Town and Brighton. Uh, then the last game on Saturday, um, Bournemouth and West Ham. Um, this is a test, I think, to see where West Ham is. I think 
losing early, West Ham needs a good performance. Maybe not a good result, but a good performance against Bournemouth will go a long way. And we're going to learn something about Bournemouth because Idiola's first game as a new coach. We won't know. He'll be a new manager. He may have ideas. He's young. We'll see where his progress is and see what Bournemouth looks like. Uh, I'm interested to see how he does. Is he defensive? Is he set off? Does he try and play? What's his style going to be? And then a great game. The Saturday late game is great. Fantastic. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm not missing another one. Oh, there's two. There's Sorry, that's not the Saturday late game. Um, oh, yes, this is the Saturday late game, and then we'll go into Sunday. The Saturday late game at St. James's Park, Newcastle versus Aston Villa. Great coaches, great teams, both teams with a lot of ambition. This should be the game of the day. Will be fantastic. I think it'll be a draw, but these are two teams that have a lot of ambition, great coaches, Howe and Emery. This will be the game I'm keeping my eye on. I think it'll be a draw. It'll be sort of gnarly, uh, but Newcastle versus Aston Villa, top, top notch, a late game. So my recommendations on opening day would be uh, Newcastle, Aston Villa on the late game. And then mm, I would want to see how Brighton do against, uh, uh, sorry, I want to check in on Brighton Luton. And then there's really not really too many good ones, but Aston Villa versus Nottingham versus Newcastle. Fantastic. Then on Sunday, uh, Spurs could not get a tougher game. <laughs> it's early though, not a night game. They have to go to the GMX. They have to go to Brentford uh, and play Thomas Frank's mighty happy warriors. Uh, did, didn't have good success um, last season against Brentford. Uh, let me just make sure I've got this right. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Brentford won three, one in their most recent meeting in late season. It was a debacle. Um, just a bad, bad, bad loss. They had, a, they played the two draws. I'm sure the second draw where Brentford the second, bro, the, the, yeah, the, the two, two was just a gnarly, uh, Tottenham really got beaten badly and just pulled it out out of their ass. And then the three, one Brentford just battered them. I do remember that game. That was sort of like the doldrums of Spurs season, just going down the drain, but Brentford will be a tough opponent. Uh, they took four points off them. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and I'll enjoy that one. Remember no Tony for Brentford this year. So a little bit of a different look, they'll have to figure things out. And now no Raya as well. So, they're going to be working in a goalkeeper. They're going to be working in how and Bueno and Wissa, uh, who is usually their super sub, will handle Spurs. And Spurs, I'm assuming, will play Harry Kane. Um, just why they're going to play him until he leaves. Uh, he's probably not going to leave. And then the game of the day will be Chelsea versus Liverpool. New look Chelsea under Pochettino versus new midfield uh, Liverpool. Who plays the six? For Liverpool, who's replacing that Fabinho? I think this is going to be a high-scoring game at Stamford Bridge. It's going to be nuts because we know Chelsea are going to press. We know Liverpool can't really defend or control a midfield. We're going to find out about these two teams. Uh, the front five for Liverpool are probably the best front five in the division, hands down. And then we're going to find out about uh, Chelsea. This Chelsea team is all new. We're learning everything. They did lose on Cuckoo did his ACL. So that's really a shame for the league because we all wanted to see them. But that now means that Jackson will be up top all season. And we're going to find out about him as well. And I'm excited for that one. Just want to make sure I get his name right because I have been talking about him a lot. And I just want to make sure that I get this guy's name right. Um, I know it's fun to hear me 
uh, think while I'm reading. Oh, Nicholas Jackson. So okay, I got that right. Nicholas Jackson. It, it, it feels like a very American name, but he's from Ghana. But Nicholas Jackson leading the line for Chelsea will be the player to watch. How he attacks Van Dyke and Konate. Can he run in behind? What happens with Modric attacking uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold? This is not last year's uncoached Chelsea. This team has a real coach with a real plan. They're fitter. They've been running like animals under Pochettino, who gives teams the Bielsa training treatment. And then the last game, we have a Monday night game, uh, United versus Wolves. Wolves in disarray, United breaking in their players. No Harry Maguire. Maguire looking like he's going to go to West Ham. So I expect United to pull that game out. Anyway, that's the start of the season. It's so goddamn exciting. I can't believe it's back. Uh, we've already had Carabao Cup games. We've already had the championship. The EFL is already going. Um, so much fun. A lot of great stuff from Leicester. Leicester looks really good. I know for our poor friends from Leicester, that a team that should never, ever, ever have gone down, but did. Uh, and so they are down and they're fucking already lighting up. <laughs> they're already lighting up the championship. They're about as nailed on to go up as any team that's gone down in a long time. They're like that... Um, the famous uh, Newcastle team that went down and just came right back up because the difference in quality between a really good Premier League team that has a bad season but keeps its talent and the championship is night and day. I mean, it's just not even close. Um, but we'll see Leicester come up. Uh, they have a an acolyte of Pep. Uh, one of our, one of City's coaches took over the team, so he will kick on. Just gonna go uh, check on some news. See if there's anything going on that's interesting. We did go through some of the transfers, but I just want to make sure. Just want to make sure that there's nothing missing. Just going to check out football 365. See if anything comes up. Nothing too much. Nothing too much. Um, we do know a couple things about rule changes. Just be aware if you haven't been watching or paying attention, you're just going to tune in to start the season. We do now have two things. Players cannot surround a referee when they make a call. He can They can be carded for that. So there's some protection for referees. And the added time thing, which is bananas. So the referee and the game will be called to the second. Whenever a ball goes out of play, they're going to stop the clock. So don't be surprised when you see 10 minutes of added time to the end of a game. Um, I don't like it at all. I think it's a step in the wrong direction. I think it's a step away from tradition and it's getting away. It's back to this thing that I talk about with VAR all the time. The illusion of precision when all we want is accuracy. The illusion of precision when all we want is accuracy. The fact of the matter is the Premier League could have a clock and it could be displayed and the, you could connect the referee's watch to the fucking scoreboard. But we don't because ultimately the referee and his crew is supposed to be in charge of this match and accurately reflect what happens in terms of the time, in terms of 90 minutes, okay? He's in control of that or she. And we give that over to the referee as a means of arbitrating this game that we're watching so that at the end of the 90 minutes, the hour and a half time we have for our post. Remember, this game was developed as a 
workman's game after work. They would the 3 p.m. kickoff would be after the factory close on a half day that they struck for and got their half day Saturday. They could go to the game and be home for supper. Okay. Hour and a half, five o'clock. It all makes sense, right? Six five thirty, your wife, your your family has dinner at six o'clock, you're back on a Saturday. These things all have reasons. And by trying to have this illusion of precision that this perfect timing is going to happen, we break another tradition, we break another piece, and we go into this technological, technocratic, bureaucratic hole that sport seems to continue to go down. Who is this for? Why are we doing it? Why are we adding more time? Why do we need these things? Who is it, who is it benefiting exactly? TV? Is it TV? Is it fans? Is it the teams? Do they want, who asked for this? Do you know what I mean? Like who is benefiting if games are longer? I think we should always ask ourselves that. And like, why are we doing this? Why is the game longer? Why is precision there? Why do we need VAR? Why are we checking everything? Is it to make a better television show? Is it for betting? Is it for the fans? Is it for the people in the stadium who might miss that train because it's a 95 minute game? I think that there is an argument to have perfect time, but I'm not sure what the real purpose is uh, outside of another bureaucratic thing that we have to fight about and then we'll get used to and it'll be fine. But for me, I could do without it. I could do without VAR. I could do without longer games. I just, I'm a, I'm getting uh, conservative. <laughs> I don't like, I don't, I don't need any more change in my life. Okay. Um, okay, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm sure there was a million other things I could have talked about, but I'm happy to with what came out. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports channel presented exclusively by the Premier Streaming Network. We've been recording haphazardly, but usually we'll be on Sundays and Thursdays. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple or anywhere else, please rate and review the show because it makes a huge difference. Thank you.